turn off our soul that says no. We turn off our flesh that says yesterday was a tough day and I'm tired. Lord, today we attend we are attentive to what you are speaking to us. I thank you, Lord God. You order this service from this point forward. Lord, you set things in motions, motion, and Lord, the rivers of the Holy Ghost have the preeminence. Now, Lord, we begin to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Turn with me in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy. We've got a lot of scriptures this morning, and uh, I gave them all to Barry. We'll see. We'll see if, uh, I don't even know if his system can handle this many, but well, hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to encourage you this morning Amen. that it doesn't really matter what it looks like, and it never will really matter what it looks like. What it really matters is what God says that you believe. Amen. What God says that you and I believe. Amen. It doesn't really matter what God says until we believe it. Amen. Right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look in verse, let's just in the King James, let's look in verse 13. It says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, read it with me here, he cannot deny himself. Let's read it again. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, I'm going to go up and read verse 12 because some of y'all may look back there at some time wandering around during the service and say, yeah, but what does it say there? In the Amplified, it says in the Amplified, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny and disown and reject him, he will deny and disown and reject us. So it's talking about if you receive Jesus or not. Listen, if you don't receive Jesus, when, we, when you leave this earth, if you deny him here on the earth, you, you won't even get a chance to be denied at heaven. You, you do not pass go, and you, do, and you go straight to jail. Hallelujah. So it's talking about that, that if, if we don't receive Jesus, that there is no second chance. There's not a redo in that. Hallelujah. But then it says, if we are faithless, which is not the same as denying. It means that we did embrace the Lord. We did get born again. We did say yes. But then our soul, then our circumstances, we get discouraged. Y'all know anybody that's ever got discouraged? And we become faithless, which means do not believe and are even untrue to him. Well, okay, that means, what does that mean? It says he remains true, faithful to his word. Y'all say Amen. Because he's always faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. I'm here to announce to you this morning that God's always and will always do everything that he can legally to put your life forward. He has never had and never will have an agenda to bring anything negative, demonic, or worldly into your life to correct you, to, to direct you, or to posture you in any way. He is always in every circumstances on your side. He's doing everything that you and I give him room to do to advance your life. And even when we're faithless... And the world would say, you deserve to go down. You have a bad attitude. You are unfaithful, and you ought to be marked out. You ought to be set aside. The Lord is on your side. He is the cheerleader that says, go team. And he is doing everything that heaven can legally, everything that can advance your life. That is, that is the truth. 
And you and I wouldn't do it that way because that's the way we do other people. When, we, when, when they X us off, guess what we do? We X them off. Eventually, we may not do it outwardly. We may smile at him and say, well, hello, Ms. Jones. How are you? Nice day we're having, you old rascal, you. <laughs> you know, I remember what you did and said. I heard what you, and you know, we do that. That's just us. But God, it's a mistake to make God a man. Yes. It's a tremendous mistake. And so I want to I encourage you this morning not to give up on your dream. I'm here to tell you today that the Bible says perilous times will surely come. I believe they have. If they're, if they're coming worse, well, at least we're in the edge of perilous times right now. If we're not there, then we're on the edge. But it doesn't matter. God is on your side. And he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He will never fail you. And we never get what we deserve. The afterlife is when you get what you deserve. Deserving is is based on what you did with Jesus. Hallelujah. But uh, here on earth, we always get grace. He's always wide open for us. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, just listen to this. It says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now, this is very important. You know this. You, you and I have heard in the Bible about when a man marries a woman, that they are one flesh. So body to body, you know, we don't even know how that works, the mystery of that. We do understand a little bit about the Trinity, that they are one yet separate and three in one and all of that. The Bible says that he that is joined to the Lord in the new birth is one spirit with him. So you don't even have a thing where it's your spirit talking to God and separate thing, and I'm going my way, but the Lord's going that way. The Bible says you have been joined with him. Turn with me to John chapter 17. Jesus talked about this, and I'm going to straighten some stuff out this morning, and we're going to start living like the word of God is true instead of how we feel and what it looks like and what people have said and, uh, and what it seems to be happening in our life. We're going to start speaking the word of God into our future and having the word of God in our future. Instead of speaking and what we've been seeing and having what we've been saying. It says in John chapter 17, the Lord Jesus was talking about this as he was praying to his father. In verse 21, it says, uh, they, he says to the father that they all may be one as thou, father, art in me and I in thee. You know, we can't even really get that. You have to just embrace that like, what does that mean? I don't know, but I believe it because Jesus said it. And, uh, and that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, y'all know the Lord gave him glory. It says, I have given them. Now, did y'all get that? The same glory that the Father gave the Lord Jesus, he turned and gave to you and I. Why? That they may be one even as we are one. Amazing. In them, I in them, and thou in me. Why? That they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So here Jesus is talking prophetically about the new birth, and saying, at the new birth, we're going to be, you and I are not just going to be like the Lord decided to forgive you. That's what religion's telling us today, is, well, the Lord forgave you, 
and he did. But it's so much more. We are not, we are not just forgiven. We are new creations in Christ. And we're in him, and he's in us. And we've become one. One with him. Not that he's down there and he may leave, and if you do bad things, he's going to take off. You can't unscramble eggs. You can't say, I changed my mind and I need those eggs back, and you know, I need to get the recipe said just the whites only or just the yolks only. When you put that whisk in there and turn it twice, it's over, honey. You're going to win Dixie. <laughs> or you're going to have some, you're going to have the whole thing in there. And that's the way we are. You can't just mess up. You can't just have an abortion or, or you know, quit going to church or quit whatever and, and, or be mean. And the Lord say, I'm through with that stuff because we're all flawed in the flesh. We're all in this curse-filled world. None of us qualified. Good enough is not good enough. You're either in or you're out, and the only way to get in is to be cleansed by the blood, born again. So here he's saying in that first scripture in Timothy, he said, the Lord cannot deny himself. What's he talking about? Well, he's in us, and not just in us like a BB in a shoebox. He's in us and has joined himself with us, and so he can't deny us because it would have to, it mean he had to deny himself. Are y'all getting this? Never give up on your dream because God never gives up on you. He's never through with you. People have near-death experiences and say, well, I, I didn't die. The Lord must not be through with me. He's never through with you. He, you can stay here until you're satisfied. Now, I've heard people say, well, that can't be true because people would live to be two or 300 years. Listen, in this world, nobody wants to live that long. You're a crusty old codger if you, if, you, if you are happy down here at 100 and you know Jesus. Praise God. Well, um, so we should never give up because there's always a path to victory. And I want to talk about a theology, a religion that goes on in the, in the religious community about how God operates because it causes us to think wrong. In Psalm 77, 19, the Bible says in the Living Version, talking about the Red Sea, it says, Your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway nobody knew was there. So the Bible says that the Lord always had a plan of escape. And he's always got a plan of escape for you. But you know, it was hidden then. It was hidden to Moses. It sure enough was hidden to all the folks. It was hidden to Pharaoh. Nobody, the Bible says, nobody knew it was there. The implication is, is that when God created the world, he put this pathway there and then covered it with water, saying, we're going to use this down the road. You ever played Monopoly, and you kept some stuff back, some properties back, because you knew this is going to pay off down the road right now? I'm spending all my hundreds and thousands, but down the road, I'm going to catch, uh, I'm going to catch Colin or, or Carter coming through, and I'm going to charge them full price, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, that's what the Lord did. He laid this plan of escape down for you and I, a strategy to get us to the other side before we ever even had a problem. The Bible says in Genesis 22:13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went 
and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. See, God had told him, I want to sacrifice. I want your son. And he raised the knife. He followed through in his heart. Y'all say, but he didn't actually did it. He followed through in his heart. It was all but done. He had reconciled it. He had said the Lord will have to raise him up. But the Lord provided a way of escape, a strategy that turned him. He noticed there was a ram in the thicket, and it wasn't there before, or he didn't notice it before. What, whatever the deal was, the Lord made a way. And this is where the Bible calls him Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Yireh, the Lord who looks ahead. And he has looked ahead into your life and made a way. And if you're short-sighted or narrow-minded and think that all that can be is what you can see and know, you don't know God. And you'll give up. You'll back up. You'll get discouraged. You'll get depressed. You'll make a bonehead play, as Eric says. You'll, cause, you'll, you'll do something or say something that's against God's plan for your future, which is to win, to always win in Christ Jesus. Have y'all been there before? We all have. We've all looked at what was around, said what we saw, and had what we said, and wondered why God didn't come to the rescue, thinking that he just makes everything turn out good. What God does is he makes everything available so that we can implement his plan. Do you remember that Moses, even though God wanted had this path under the sea, he told Moses, until you raise your rod, we're all going to sit here and die. Y'all remember that? He said, why are you whining, Moses? What's that in your hand? He said, well, it's my rod. He said, raise your rod. And Moses had the decision, the choice, whether to have deliverance or to perish by the, by the Egyptians. And you and I, we have a choice. It's not just automatic, y'all. Abraham had to raise the knife. He didn't sit there and whine and cry. He had to raise the knife on that day. Remember last week we looked in 2 Kings chapter 3 where the four lepers were outside of Samaria. They were under siege and uh, by the Syrians, and there was a famine in the land, and they were all outside the wall anyway. They were all lepers, and they said something profound. They said what? Why sit we here until we die? And we all ought to look up and say, you know, it's dark out there and quit looking at the darkness and start saying, I wonder where the door or the window is that we can open up and get some light in here. Where are the options that God has for us? Because I know he's made a way where there seems to be no way. There's always a way to win. Point yourself and say it with me. There's always a way to win. There's always a way to win. And it is amazing how things God has already orchestrated and put into place that as soon as you raise the rod, as soon as you raise the knife, everything starts becoming available that you couldn't even imagine was out there. People start coming into your life. A check starts coming in the mail. Uh, I remember that time when we were at the end of our so-called proverbial rope and Colin got this check at his house. We, he moved into our old house, and, and they'd quit forwarding a long time ago. And he was throwing our mail away that was coming, just throwing it away. An envelope came. He brought it to church and just said, well, it didn't look good to me, but I just brought it anyway. And there was a check for $9,500 in it. Did we dance? I'm telling you, we, it, you know, but God had already, he'd already worked it all out and sent it and put people in order. He is the master orchestrator Amen. and he set things in for you and I. 
he had to make that ram and cause that ram to walk over there and get stuck in the thicket. Can you? The logistics are amazing. Now, I want to tell you, God's not magic. He is supernatural, but he's not magic. And things, he doesn't just wiggle his nose and pop things in. This isn't Harry Potter. This isn't witchcraft. There's a basis for everything, which means you and I can, can be in that basis. We could cooperate with God, and we, sometimes we go, how'd that happen? Well, I got my black socks on or my red socks on. It's never that. There's a basis for miracles, isn't there? Cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to give you three things that'll keep you from ever giving, that'll cause you to never give up. Three things that the Lord gave me that you will never give up if you will always go back to these things. Number one, get in faith. Now, I know that's a big bite, but y'all, we're born-again people. We're people of God, and we're never going to get it by magic, and we're never going to get it by whining, hurting, carrying on, and comparing ourselves to other people. Well, how come they don't have to do what I'm having to do? How come it just comes easy for them? Or how come they don't have to? How come their kids are this and their job is that? You and I are going to always have to get in faith. Maybe. Say, I can do it. I can do it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible, Paul uh, quotes the Old Testament, but he said there, and we having the same spirit of faith. So then he quotes the Old Testament. What he quotes there is, is uh, we believed or uh, uh, we believed and therefore spoke. So he's talking about a spirit of faith that was prevalent in the Old Testament where when people believed to a certain degree, they would begin to speak. Jesus talked to us about it in Matthew chapter 12. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, what's ever in overflow in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. And that's going to be the rudder or the, 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 the path of your life. It's not just luck. It's not just what people do. What's happening in your life is what you've put into your heart until it overflows out of your mouth, and that is the course that you're going to live by. So uh, Paul said, says, we believed, he quoted, we believed and therefore speak. Then he said, therefore we also believe and therefore speak. When you get in faith, you're going to have to believe until you can speak. You can't just go to church one time or get a cassette and just say, you know, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You can say that out of your head. It's hooked up to your mouth just like your heart. But what you're going to have, what you're going to live by is what you've put into abundance in your heart till it smothers, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. I feel bad. Daddy died by this. It's always around. It looks bad. The doctor said you're gonna, you, that's in there and it's connected to your mouth. You're going to have to smother that with the word of God. You, you got to get up when you don't feel anything and say, I will never have cancer. I will never have a brain tumor. I will never have uh, 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 Alzheimer's. You just got to set that course. Are y'all here? I will never go bankrupt. I will, it'll, I will never be broke in my life. You just got to set that into your life and meditate that. Because if you don't, the default is, is this world. And it's talking all the time, isn't it? So first of all, we got to get in faith. Um, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. What should we meditate therein? The word of God, day and night. 
Now, you got to figure out what that means to you. you got to figure out what, what it means to meditate or to think about or to mutter over and over the Word of God. What it means when it says day and night is, is there's never an off time where you can say, I feel sick and I, I feel broke and I'm mad at people and everybody hates me. You just can't say those things. Day and night, if you say anything, you got to say the Word of God. Favor, I got favor, they love me. <laughs> they don't even want to love me, but they like me, and they're giving me all their stuff. You just got to, it doesn't look like it, it doesn't seem reasonable, but if you're going to say anything, that's what you have to say. Meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe, that word means to see, of course, that you may see, once you see it down in here, you'll have faith for it. But if you just see it up here, that thing is like a commercial. The images change every third of a second. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And you'll, you'll, oh, I got it, I got it. And three seconds later, you got something else. But down in here, it's embedded. Embedded images are images that can't be just clicked and moved and changed out. They're in there. Amen. They're anchored. And it's the embedded images that you're going to speak of. And what you speak of is what you're going to have. Because Jesus said in Mark 11, he said, you speak to the mountain and say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. See, so that's going to take some meditating day and night, isn't it? Amen. But believes those things which he saith. Believing is not up here. This is the thinking end of us. This is just so we can recognize you when you come in the door. You know, this we'd match up your driver's license with this. But we don't need this up here for much of anything, y'all. Believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. What does it say? What did the Lord Jesus say himself? He shall have whatsoever things he saith. That's talking about down in here. So we got to get in faith. You want to never, ever fail. You want to never give up. You want to have it. First of all, you got to get in faith. You go, well, that's a lot of work. Listen, it's the same energy and the same time it takes to be in unbelief. You can meditate this or you can meditate that. You can speak the word of God or you can speak doubt and unbelief. It's not extra. It's just replacement. There's a discipline there. And we was talking the other day about drinking uh, sugar Cokes and Diet Cokes. And there was a time where, you know, when Tab came out. Y'all remember Tab? Anybody old enough remember Tab? Tab was terrible. It was terrible. It was saccharine. It was nasty. You just, you know, and so we drank the sugar. I don't care if it's 220 calories. We drank it. But when they came out with this new stuff that was, you know, had, uh, had real chemicals in it, <laughs> real stuff, you know, yeah, you didn't like it for 7 or 20 or 30 days, but after that, you can handle it. And, and Joe Morris drinks 6 to 10 of them every day. Hallelujah. And loves it. But, but you get used to it. And you got to develop a life. And it's a tough change. It's a, it's a transition where you start meditating what God has said versus you catch yourself. You catch yourself. You, you, you arrest those thoughts of doubt and unbelief. And you say, that's not faith. That's what appears. But I'm not looking at what appears. I'm going to stay on what the Word of God says. It, it's, hard to, it's, it's challenging to get started there. But once you get going, it's like tithing. It's no big deal. It's like living God. It's just no big deal. Amen? So uh, the second thing you got to do, first of all, we're going to do what? We're going to stay in faith. We're going to get in faith and stay in faith. N number two, we're going to get in and stay in the Spirit. Say the Spirit. the Spirit. 
You got now the spirit is a whole nother world. We're talking about the world, but we're talking about the spirit. In John 16, 33, Jesus said that this. He said in the world, the word world there is the word in the Greek called cosmos. And it means the world system. It means humankind. It means people. Do y'all know those people? The best ones are flawed. The best ones can get mean. The best ones can make a wrong turn. Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Copeland, none of us have got it all in the flesh. So he says, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. Jesus told us, if you're going to be in the world, you're going to not be delivered from trouble, but you're going to have to beat or win or triumph over trouble. He said, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. Then he said, be of good cheer. The word there is take courage. Take courage. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So right there, he's telling us there's two realms. There's the world realm. And there's another realm, the realm of the spirit. The realm, he said, I have overcome the world realm with another realm, the spirit realm. You know, we can live in either realm. You can live in the flesh or you can live in the spirit. You're going to be disappointed if you live in the flesh. Do you all know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever went to the flesh and just had a pity party? You ever just said, I'm going to cry and I don't care who likes it? And the end of that is it didn't get better. And God didn't come to the rescue. Because our need, our suffering does not move God. Faith moves God. And the way you stay in faith is you get into the spirit. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You know, crisis does not strengthen a man. Crisis, only, only thing crisis does, God doesn't send a crisis to strengthen us. Crisis just exposes a man wherever he is. It just, it's just a test. It just, it just, it's like those x-ray, those airport uh, uh, x-ray things. It just shows you what's in the bag. That's right. Amen. And when you and I go through crisis, it's too late to say, I'm going to do better in the crisis. All you can do, it's just a, it's a moment of time where it just x-rays you and shows you where you are. And most of us don't like where we are. And we're under crisis. We're having to start getting in faith and getting the word in and changing our thinking. And it's hard in crisis to do that. Yes, it is. Amen. Amen. So Jesus said, I have overcome the world. In, in, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're in the spirit. In the spirit. You cannot be a nominal Christian. You can't be someone that's just um, passing through and win with this life. This Christian life is not for sissies. Going to heaven is easy. Just say yes to Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life in one day. Get born again, and you're going to heaven. But living a victorious life is a life of faith. It says in chapter 14, look in verse 2. We could preach and preach on this, but in verse 2 it says, Debbie talked about this extensively Wednesday. You ought to get that CD. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Point to yourself and say, when I, when I speak, in tongues, speak in tongues, I'm talking to God, I'm talking to God and God hears me. And God hears now, that's what the Bible says when you speak in tongues. For no man understandeth him. Now, what did I just say? Well, that's an unknown tongue. You don't know, but God does. Is that right? Yes. Amen. So we, we're not ashamed. We're not embarrassed. 
Actually, we should be asking Christians, you mean you don't speak in tongues? Oh, you don't have the victory. You don't have the victory? You don't want to go on with God? You want to live back there in a hole somewhere and just go to heaven only? Bless your heart. Call me sometime. I'll help you. It's not arrogant. It's not self-righteous. It just means you just took one step and there's another one. We ought to speak in tongues. It's in the spirit. And he said, for no man understandeth him, how be it in the spirit. So he's talking about speaking in tongues, put you in the spirit. In the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. And that word mysteries there is called divine secrets. Now, when God delivers you and I, he does not do magic. He does not do the stick and the magic uh, wand and the hocus pocus. He has a plan that is both legal and and, and anchored in his system. It is his system. He designed the system, and once he stamped the system and approved it, he said, this is the way it'll always be. I won't change the system. So words is always going to be the currency in the kingdom of God, isn't it? Amen. Not need, not suffering, not whiny, pitiful, you know, poor me, oh God. Don't you care about me? Well, why did God allow this to happen? You know, where's the love of God? That's what the atheists say. Why did he allow this to happen? He has a system. He's already ordained it. He put it in the book. There's no reprint. There's no second edition. This is the way it'll always be, that faith and speaking are the currency of doing business in the kingdom. So we got to sign up. So we got to speak in tongues. We got to get in the spirits, what I'm really saying. You say, I got a situation. Well, can't God just fix it? He sure can. But he's got a strategy. He's got a blueprint. He's got a plan. He's not going to be hocus pocus in your situation and just make it go away. He's going to give you what it is to enter into the strategy to have the victory. And the way you get that without involving the devil is that you get in the spirit. You speak in tongues all the time. All the time. Speaking in tongues will keep you out of trouble. It'll keep you from watching stuff you shouldn't watch, hearing things you shouldn't hear. I'm not talking about perverse things. I'm talking about worldly stuff. And it'll just keep you focused on the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gifts, the manifestations and operations of the Holy Ghost will begin to flow through speaking in tongues because they are an operation of the Spirit. So when we get in the spirit where they are, we have access to the, the gifts of the spirit because they're in the spirit. So they're not going to function in someone that's just doggone, I'm mad at God and he didn't do right and I'm ticked at people and, and I'm having me a pity party and it is, you know, and just carrying on. I'm not going to church. I'm not giving. I, Christians are all bad people. Gets off into that. That's the flesh, isn't it? And you can't get God to operate in that. He's still for you. He's going to do everything he can to get it to you, but he can't operate in that atmosphere very well. Amen? So we're going to get in the Spirit. Romans 8, you remember this scripture. It says that uh, we know not what we should pray for in verse 26. We know not. How many of you all know that's true? We know not what we should pray for. But the very reason, the very um, um the, when, when we see we know not what we should pray for, that tells us that prayer is involved. That we're going to have to know what to pray for to get out of our sticky wicket. It's not going to be, Lord, you know I love you. And you know, Lord, I, I, I made Jesus my Lord. So, Lord, are you going to fix it? He said, no, you're going to have to pray. 
Okay, Lord, I'll pray. Well, what should I pray? Well, you're going to have to pray according to my plan. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, you're going to have to pray in the Spirit. Does this make sense to y'all? Yes. You say, well, I got to get more involved than I thought. That's why Christians have been traditionally defeated and not got the victory. It's because they're waiting on a magic God. David Copperfield God, you know, that sort of thing. Make it appear. Make it disappear. He's not that way. He's supernatural, which just simply means the realm of the Spirit. And we've got to live there because I'm not a man operating in the Spirit. I am a spirit operating in the flesh realm. Aren't you? I have a soul. I have a body, but that's not who I am. The part that I am is going to go on forever and communicates with God. So then it goes on down in verse 28, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good. For who? For the man that prays out the plan that prays in the Spirit. Everything's going to turn out amazing. You want some amazing stuff this year? You're going to have to get in faith and get in the Spirit. Come on. And number three, the Lord gave me this one. It's not just enough to get in faith and get in the Spirit. You're going to have to start uh, talking about what you already know. There is an unknown, and we've been talking about that, the part that you don't know, but there is a known part about your life. There's things that God showed you about your future. Y'all say amen. amen. Do y'all know anything about your future at all? Do you know anything from God that you've got out of Scripture that's been prophesied to you that the still small voice came to you and said, this is what I want to do with your life? And, of course, we, we, we set it aside because it doesn't look like it's going that way. He said, you're going to do this, and then I went off and had this and did that, and it's not anywhere near to what he said, therefore. And it's what comes after that word, therefore, that always messes us up. Because we think because it's not going that way, it can't go that way. And so we let our dream die, and we give up on what God has called us to do to be happy. Come on, y'all Presbyterians. <laughs> he has spoken stuff to you, and he's not a God of a lot of words. <laughs> he's not just blabbermouth God, you know, that says, well, there might be something in there that y'all can use, but I'm just talking. It don't matter. Just, you know, get what you can, but I'm just, I'm just rattling. No, he's got every word meaning something. Not every word. Every word is from God, this word, but not every word's equally anointed. And he has spoken some stuff to you that's still out there working in your behalf. Amen. And he meant it. Now, there's some stuff, you know, that we can negate and undo, but there's a lot of stuff that's still out there. I got one more scripture. I want you to turn here with me real quick, and that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, I'm going to read it in the New Living, so uh, you may not want to there, but the, what I want to talk to you about just for a moment is about these, these people that we love in the Bible that everything turned out amazing, like Abraham. But y'all, he had to get in faith, and he had to get Sarah in faith. You know, this is a two-step process, this, this having a miracle baby. Everybody has to be on the page, and everybody in concerning babies is two of us. And they got to be, you know, certain people. It can't just be, you know, all that stuff. So here we go. God had to work through natural things, and he couldn't just make a baby appear and say, this is Isaac. I want you all to do something with him. Jesus was the only <laughs> supernatural conception. Come on, y'all. Abraham and Sarah had to have him the old-fashioned way, Amen. everything about it. So he had to get everybody working. It took a lot of years. 
And it's taken a lot of years for some of y'all to get your head wrapped around some stuff that God spoke to you. But the reason he told you things back then, listen to me, is because then it wasn't even on the radar. He began to drop some stuff in you that you didn't know what to do with it. It didn't fit. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It didn't fit. Because if it had fit, you would have thought, this is just my head, this is just my emotions, this is just me thinking of a plan. But because it didn't fit, it was pure. You didn't mess with it because you didn't know what to do with it, yes or no, or maybe, or now, or whatever. It just was a word from heaven. And so we put that on paper. Surely you did. Surely you wrote it down. Surely you pondered that thing like Mary in your heart. And one day then, it shows up as the golden key that fits in the door that we've never seen. The door that we must go through, how do I get through it? Ah, there's a key that he's already sent ahead, a word from heaven for my life at that time. And we don't mess with it now. Now it's not like, well, maybe I was emotional, maybe it doesn't fit, maybe so-and-so. No, it was a pure word because it had age on it. And now it fits in the door. So I've got words from way back. I got words back from the first part of the 80s. Some of y'all weren't even here in the 80s, so it doesn't, that wouldn't work for you. But you have words from heaven, and you've been tempted to give up on them and say, that wasn't it. I have a word from a, from a prophet. He stood me up in Birmingham, and he said, one day the time will come where you will stand up, and as soon as you open your mouth, everyone in the auditorium will fall down under the power of God. Now, that's been a number of years ago. I'm not looking for it. I'm not trying. But, but I tell you, when it happens, the word of the Lord was true. Amen. Well, it's true anyway, isn't it? Yes. So 2 Corinthians, Paul, wait, well, we have Job. We have Daniel. Do you all think Daniel, who had the word of the Lord, you think he had some things that kind of intervened, the king throwing him in the lion's den? How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How about Joseph, who had a dream? And it didn't fit anything, did it? it? It didn't fit what he was doing or where he was going. And he told the dream. And it made everybody ticked. It was made everybody mad. And they threw him in the pit. They sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife got a hold of him. And the scholars, and I'm not one, but the scholars say that it was in the king's dungeon no less than 10 years and as many as 20 years. We miss that in the reading of Genesis. We just think, well, you know, he was down there for the weekend. 20 years, he had to be faithful to the word of God, what God had told him in the dreams. You remember the dreams, the sun and the moons and bowed down and all that sort of stuff, and, and the chiefs and all those things. But God had set a deliverer ahead to deliver the children of Israel out of that day. Isn't God amazing? And he set you to deliver some people because you're going to believe the word of the Lord and you're going to hang on to what God has said Get in faith and get in the spirit and keep putting his word forward. Remember Paul. Did Paul, was Paul a great man of God? Was he a dud out? Was he some has been? Was he a loser? No, he had it together. But in chapter 11 of, of 2 Corinthians, he said, uh, he said, I've worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. How many times have you faced death? Well, I believe I'll whine this week, and I'm not going to church, and I'm just mad at everybody. 
And he five different times that you gave me 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Note this, when they stoned you, it wasn't a warning. When they were stoned you, it was unto death. This man was raised from the dead. Make no mistake, it was not like, now take that as a warning and don't do it again. It, uh, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled many weary miles. I've faced danger from flooded rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and in the stormy seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be Christians but are not. Do you all know those people? They're still here, aren't they? Hallelujah. I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I've been hungry and thirsty and gone without food. Often I've shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then he goes on about the churches and all that sort of stuff. Listen, y'all. He went through stuff, but he kept the word of the Lord hot and he stayed in faith. And he said, I pray with tongues more than y'all. We can do it, y'all. The word of the Lord is enough to get you through your little life. We're not discounting your little life, but we've not suffered to the shedding of blood yet. It's worrisome in America to have to be inconvenienced and to have to do without and all that sort of stuff. But we're Christians. And we must live above. How many of you this morning... Could don't stand up, but could stand up, raise your hand, if you know of two distinct things that God has spoken to you in days and years gone by about your future that are, that are major, that are prominent for your life, not just anybody in here. Two things. How about one thing? Anybody in here got a word from the Lord that they say, I know God has ministered this to me about my future. You know, that's your lifeline. He gave it to you in a time that had no pressure so that you could win in the pressure. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I sent my word ahead. I put my spirit in you ahead so that you can overcome in this world. I want to pray for you this morning. If anybody this morning, I have this from the Lord. I don't know what we're going to do on it, but, uh, but we're going we're gonna to do it. The past is history, and if you live in the past, you're going to be history too. Our future is today, Amen. now, and many times what we need is a fresh word from, the heaven, from heaven. So I'm going to get you to stand up this morning if you would, and if you want prayer this morning, and I'm not going to say we're going to prophesy to you, but we're going to pray over you and believe God to speak something into your future that will cause you to get untracked off of high center and get going with your life. Y'all say amen. amen. So if, uh, if you would, just step out and uh, come down here, and that's what we'll do. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. Barry, put us on some, some praying music. Praise God. Amen. Is that you coming up here? Oh, you're a helper. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Debbie, let's pray over the, 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 the Pauls and the Silases and the Barnabases, and the Abrahams, and the Jobs. Don't want to put Job on everybody, but hallelujah. <laughs> that God has set into the future. Hallelujah. Hands up, brother. Hands up. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God.